Would you pray with me? Show us Christ, Lord. We, we praise you that you have shown us Christ. Jesus, we, we praise you that you came as the way, the truth, the life. That we might have life. And we thank you, Jesus, that you lived your life as an example for us that we might follow. I pray that you would teach us even more and more how to follow you. For your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just one announcement that I forgot to make earlier. We do have a fellowship meal today after our worship service. So if you have time to join us after service, even if you didn't bring anything, we'd love to have you come upstairs and join us for that fellowship meal. We are about halfway through our summer sermon series through the book of Philippians. It's a wonderful book. I've been encouraging you to read it on your own, to get to know this book on your own. And I've given you a homework assignment, and, uh, and nobody's turned in their assignment yet, so uh, I'm going to give it to you once again, that as you're reading through this book, come up with maybe even a, a one-sentence description of what you think the book of Philippians is about, or even possibly, like I've been saying, a key verse in the book of Philippians. And, and if you think of it, I, I'd be encouraged to see it. So shoot me an email or a text or something, and I, I'd love to uh, see what you think about this book. Today's passage in Philippians can easily feel like an interruption. It's a passage where Paul tells us about two people that we have never met. And you know, some people, I could easily see them reading through the book of Philippians and saying, okay, let, let's skip over this part and get to the more meaty stuff. But I think we'd be mistaken if we did that because there are some wonderful things that we can gather from this passage today. But to understand today's passage, you need to understand the context of the book of Philippians. It was written by the Apostle Paul, Paul wrote it to the Christians in Philippi so that they could grow in their faith. But Paul was writing from prison. And, and we see from the, uh, the middle of our passage today that Paul really deeply wanted to go to visit the Philippians again, but his imprisonment was preventing him from doing so at the time. You see, Paul was a person who spent his life for the progress of the gospel. Obviously, it was his goal to walk with the Lord, but also it was his goal to give his life so that other people might come to know Jesus and grow in their faith. I love what we saw back in chapter 1, in verses 12 and 25, where Paul talked about the advance or the progress of the gospel. Once he spoke about wanting the gospel to go forth to people who hadn't heard, and once he spoke about wanting the gospel to progress to people who have already heard, that they might grow in their faith. And that's what Paul devoted his life to. And, and he wanted to go back to the Philippians to see how they were doing and encourage them in their faith. But since he couldn't go, he sent two men instead to go, Timothy and Epaphroditus. Now, Paul would have been deeply respected in Philippi because of who he was. But perhaps Timothy and Epaphroditus didn't quite have that sort of standing yet in Philippi. So what our, our passage today is... It's kind of like Paul's letter of recommendation for them. Have you ever had to get a letter of recommendation? Perhaps when you graduated from college and maybe you wanted to go on to get some sort of graduate degree, you had to maybe ask one of your professors to write you a letter of recommendation. Because you're applying to a place where the people don't know you, and if they can see a letter from somebody that they kind of do know and respect, and that person says, yeah, you can, you can trust this person, or they're, they're a good student, that would go a long way. Paul had no qualms about recommending Timothy and Epaphroditus as people that should be followed. Now, perhaps it's gone the other way with you sometimes. Maybe 
sometimes some employer has called you up and said, hey, uh, such and such a person filled you out as a reference on their application form. Could you recommend them for a job at our company? And, and maybe you're thinking in your heart, ooh, uh, I'm not sure that I can do that. But it was different for Paul here. These were two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, that, that Paul deeply trusted, and he was recommending them to the, Philipp- to the Philippians as people that they should trust. And I think what probably happened then is these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, spent time with Paul. Paul almost assuredly gave them teaching and instruction to carry back to Philippi. So again, Paul was urging the people of Philippi to follow and respect these two men. So what I want to do with our passage today is quickly walk through the two sections of it. And then after I do that, I want to show you two key components for how the gospel message goes forth. So first, let's look at the verses about Timothy, and that's in Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24, which I will now read. Paul writing says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interests, not those of Jesus Christ, but you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Now again, a little bit of context here. Timothy was in many ways Paul's right-hand man. You could even probably say that Timothy was Paul's most trusted co-worker. Timothy was very dear to Paul. So for Paul to send Timothy was a big deal. Paul was losing somebody that he cared deeply about, but Paul knew that Timothy had an important task to carry out in Philippi, so he sent him. Paul viewed Timothy as a son. We see that from verse 22. And in verse 20, Paul said that he had no one else like him. Why do you think Paul would say that? Well, in verses 21 and 22, we see that Timothy's mindset wasn't to look out for his own interests, but to look out for the interests of Jesus Christ. See, it's all too easy for us human beings to get caught up with our own interests, isn't it? Think about yourself. Or wait, no, that's the problem. We think about ourselves too much. We, we look out, first and foremost, for our own interests. And, and you might say, well, it's, it's just natural for us to do that. And you know what? You're right. According to our sinful nature, it is very natural for us to look out for ourselves. But in Christ, we're supposed to do something different. And and that's what Timothy had had trained himself to be, as a man who looked out not just for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. It reminds me of what we saw in chapter 2, verse 4, where God asks us to look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In the verse right before that, we're told, in humility, consider others better than yourself. So Timothy had proven himself as somebody who did that. And just a point of application here, let's be people like that. Let's train ourselves to look out to the interests of other people. Jesus Christ came as a servant. That is the model that we are to follow. It's so easy to look out for your interests. I'm just urging you to get past that. Okay, let, let's graduate past that level where we're just looking out for ourselves and let's look to the interests and the needs of those around us. And, and it wasn't just that Timothy looked out for the interests of others, it was also that Timothy devoted himself to the gospel of Jesus Christ. In verse 22, Paul also viewed Timothy as a co-servant. 
That word servant is the word that Paul used for himself back at the beginning of this letter. It's the word that Paul used for Jesus Christ in his service to the Father. And this word servant is a strong word. I've said before that a, a servant is somebody who does the work of someone else. Jesus did the work of his Father when he came. So Timothy was somebody who worked as a servant. Timothy was well respected by Paul. As such, Paul sent him with important work to do. And from verse 19, we see one reason why Paul sent Timothy. He sent Timothy to see how the Philippians were doing, to see if after they had received this letter that they were living according to what Paul had taught them. And Paul wanted to be cheered by Timothy's report. Also, Paul wanted to continue to encourage the Philippians to keep walking with Christ. That was another thing that Timothy would do, was to encourage them to keep going. That was often Timothy's role. At least two other places in the Bible, we see that Paul sent Timothy for that exact reason. In some of those passages in the Bible, the the task of Timothy was to remind and to strengthen and to encourage the churches there. See, I I love this about Paul. Sometimes we get this idea about Paul that he just kind of went all over the globe and, you know, just left people in his dust. But that wasn't the case. He cared deeply about those people that he met growing in their faith. So here he sent Timothy to make sure that the Philippians were keeping on the right course. So he sent Timothy. And then also he sent Epaphroditus. And we learn about him in verses 25 through 30, which I want to read now. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety." Welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor men like him because he almost died for the work of Christ, risking his life to make up for the help you could not give me. Maybe you hadn't heard much about Epaphroditus before this, but uh, isn't he a a wonderful guy? I was even thinking, you know, maybe it's a great baby name. I'm thinking about baby names as we're pregnant again and uh, Epaphroditus Uguru, doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) Faye shaking her head, no. Okay. That was kind of the reaction Christine had, so I don't think we're going to go with that. Oh, well. Um, we don't know if it's a boy or a girl, by the way, yet either, but uh, either way, a Epaphrodite is a beautiful name for a girl. No. Okay. From the context of Philippians, it seems best to understand Epaphrodite as somebody who was from Philippi, and he was sent by the Philippians with a gift to Paul. Back in those days, when somebody was in prison, it wasn't necessarily that the people running the prison looked out for them. Oftentimes, they would have to, the, the people's friends and family would have to bring them food and, and just daily necessities. So the Philippians sent a gift, probably a monetary gift, to Paul. And it, in those days, if you're going to send a gift like that, you needed somebody that you could trust with that sum of money. So Epaphroditus was probably a trusted person from Philippi. Uh, he was sent to give that gift. Also, he was sent to help take care of Paul's needs when he was in prison. And then most likely, on Epaphroditus's return trip from Paul, he probably carried this letter of Philippians back to Philippi. So Paul trusted him enough to carry this, this valuable letter back to the people. 
So we can see, obviously, that, that he was a trustworthy guy. Paul gave him a high recommendation, calling him my brother, fellow worker, and fellow soldier. However, something bad happened to Epaphroditus on his journey. He got really sick and almost died. Paul says of him that he risked his life. And that word risked is a gambling term. It was as if Epaphroditus was on this journey and he got sick and started to think, oh, maybe I should go home where somebody could take care of me or I should keep going on this journey that God has sent me on. And Epaphroditus looked at the risk set before him and he said, I'm all in. And it's obscured in English, but the words almost died in verse 30 are the same exact words used of Jesus' obedience to death in verse 8. So here's Epaphroditus following in the path of his Savior, knowing Jesus had a path that the Father had picked out for him, and Jesus followed that path until death. And Epaphroditus now had a path given to him by God, and he was following that path and willing, even if he should die, to serve God in that way. Now it's interesting that the only commands that we see in our passage today are for the Philippians to welcome and honor people like Epaphroditus who have served the Lord. So just something for us to remember as we see people like that. And we've got uh, lots of people in this congregation who've done lots of service that are worthy of honor. And, and then like I said earlier, Paul obviously sent these two men with further instruction and teaching. He didn't just send them back to Philippi so they could hang out and see the sights. They were sent with a purpose. Paul sent Timothy and Epaphroditus as examples to be followed so that the church in Philippi could be strengthened. And one thing you have to understand about Paul is that he knew this. He knew that people would have a better chance of growing in their faith if they saw it lived out in people. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That verse has oftentimes struck me as strange. Why didn't Paul just say, follow Christ? Why did he add that intermediate step of saying, follow me as I follow Christ? Well, again, it's because I think that Paul knew that we do better when we see an example of it. That yes, the goal is that we would follow Christ, but it doesn't always work out that you can just tell somebody to follow Christ. Sometimes, many times, you have to show people how to do it. And then in Philippians 3.17, Paul said, Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. So when Paul was with the Philippians, he urged them to walk with the Lord. And now in his absence, he's urging them to walk with the Lord by following Timothy and Epaphroditus. So application here, there should be people in your life whose example you are following. Who in your life do you look up to as somebody that you would say, they're walking with Christ and I think that I can learn from them? We should all have those sorts of people in our lives. And on the flip side, we should seek to be that person for other people as well. We should seek to be walking with the Lord so that we can say to other people, follow my example as I follow Christ. It it sounds in some ways like a terribly prideful thing to say, But the more I look at it, the more I realize that God, even God himself, sent Jesus so that we could have an example. He sent him in human form. He gave us a book to follow, the Bible, and we could pick up this book, which we should do, and, and read it on our own. But he gave us a person to follow, Jesus Christ, with whom we can still have a relationship. And we are to be like Christ 
living like Christ, setting an example so that other people can see it in us and learn how to follow. Okay, so far we have walked through this passage, like I said, and what I want to do now is I want to show you these two key components from this passage in the progress of the gospel. Remember, Paul's life was about the progress of the gospel. He wrote this letter so that people would progress in their faith. And I want to show you these two components. Key component number one is that the gospel advances through relationships. Relationships. I've already touched on this one, obviously, already, but what we see throughout the book of Philippians, and especially in this passage, is depth of relationship. Just look at all the relationships here. First, the relationship between Paul and the Philippians. Paul cared deeply for them. In chapter 1, we saw that in all of his prayers, he always prayed with joy for them. And we know that the Philippians cared deeply about Paul, too, and they continued to support him in his ministry even after he left them. Or think about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. They were so close that they came to see each other as father and son. Um, Also, the relationship between the Philippians and Epaphroditus. They trusted him and they sent him to Paul. And the relationship then between Paul and Epaphroditus. Uh, Paul had such great concern for him when Epaphroditus was sick that, that uh, that Paul said when God spared him, it spared him sorrow upon sorrow. The relationships in this passage are very strong. And the reason that I think we see such strong relationships among these men is because they understood that that is how the gospel message goes forth. As we really get to know each other and get in the lives of other people, the gospel goes forth. Again, that's why God sent Jesus to us. So as we think about how the gospel will continue to go forward, one thing I want you to know is that it goes forward much more quickly as you engage in relationships with other people. And following the example of Jesus, what I would say for us is that the gospel compels us into self-sacrificing relationships. The gospel of Jesus Christ, him coming down to us for our benefit, is the pattern that we take as we interact with other people, serving them for their benefit, helping them grow in their faith. See, Jesus didn't come just for his own benefit. He came for ours. And your life isn't simply about you. Again, that's, that's one of those lessons that, that uh, we pastors really want you to learn. And uh, truth be told, I want to learn for myself. Our, our life is not just about us. Let's train ourselves to look out to other people, to help them know Jesus and to help them grow in their faith. So a question for you. With whom are you in that kind of a relationship with right now? Who can you point to as someone in your life right now that that maybe doesn't yet know Jesus and you are intentionally befriending them to show them the love of Christ? We should all have those people in our lives. Or with whom whom can you point to in your life right now that already knows Christ but you're helping them grow in their faith? Again, there should be people like that in your life as well. We're talking about evangelism and discipleship. Helping people come to know Jesus, helping people grow in their faith. And we should be involved in that work and it happens through relationships. So look around you. Ask God to show you who those people might be and then build relationships with those people. Now one great way to strengthen relationships, uh, this is just a, 
an, a paid advertisement here for our, our small group Bible studies that will be starting up in about a month and a half. That's a great place to get to know people, to build those relationships. And, and one of the things I love about our small group Bible studies is we, we sit around in a circle, we open up the Bible, and we teach each other. It's not just one person, you know, dictating. It's, it's us together opening up the Bible and seeing what God has to say. And we, we teach each other. I learn from you, you learn from me. And even those small group Bible studies, I'd love to see them as a place where we could be inviting even non-Christians who are curious or especially young Christians who need to grow in their faith. What better place for them to come and see the gospel lived out in the flesh? Again, relationships are crucial in the progress of the gospel. Think about it this way. Who helped you grow in your faith? I'm sure that it it would be fun if we could just go around the room and every one of us just mention one or two people that helped us grow in our faith. And I bet every one of you has somebody. Even if you came to know Christ by just locking yourself in a room and reading the Bible, even still, I bet there have been people in your life that have shown you a pattern of how to walk with Christ and you picked up on it. For me, I often mention a a guy, my high school English teacher, Mr. Unseth at at Hillcrest. Uh, It was a Christian school, so he was free to share his faith. And he did. He just, in his devotions before the class would start, he would often just tell us about his life. And I remember as a young Christian listening to this man tell us about his life, I just thought, boy, I'd sure like to have faith like that. I saw a pattern in him. The gospel progresses through relationships. Paul wanted the Philippians to grow in their faith. I I can see Paul saying it this way, saying to the Philippians, I want to see Christ in you. I see Christ in Timothy and Epaphroditus, so I'm sending them to you so that you can grow in your faith. Follow those men. And I want us to be people like that as well, that that Christ is being formed in us and we can show that pattern to other people. So follow the people God has sent into your life as examples and set an example for other people. Work at building relationships for the purpose of helping people come to know Jesus and for the purpose of helping them grow in their faith. So that's the first key component. The second key component in the advance of the gospel is hard work. Hard work. It wasn't easy for Timothy and Epaphroditus to do what they did. In fact, Epaphroditus almost died. So often in our lives, good things come about only through hard work. That's true of so many things in our lives. And I was thinking of one thing that I know I've talked about a lot lately here, but this building. I, I love coming here and worshiping with you all. I have always loved worshiping with the people of Cornerstone. Even back at that time when we had 17 people one day because it was deer hunting and we were just a small group back then. I, I, I love coming and worshiping with you. And that is only enhanced, I think, by this beautiful place that we now have to worship together in. But this place came about as a result of a lot of hard work from a lot of people. It, it, believe me, it wasn't just a snap of the fingers to get this thing going. And, and that's just an example. We could, every one of you could give hundreds of examples of things in your life that you've had to work hard at. The progress of the gospel is something like that as well. Do you want people to come to know Jesus and to grow in their faith? Then get to work. Twice in this passage we see the word work. In verse 22, Paul said that Timothy served with me in the work of the gospel. 
And then in verse 30, Paul said that Epaphroditus almost died for the work of Christ. Paul himself worked really hard for the spread of the gospel. Just turn to the back of your Bible and look at the maps and see how far Paul went to spread the gospel. The gospel advances through hard work. Now don't get me wrong, God is at work too. And I, I, like I said last week, we don't want to get to this point where we think that it's only up to us, because certainly that is not the case. God is at work drawing people to Jesus. But in that process, he has asked us to join with him, to use our, our mouths, to use our bodies, to proclaim the gospel message so that people might know him. In last Sunday, in uh, chapter 2, verse 12, we saw that we are to continue to work out our salvation. It's not that we work for our salvation because we could never earn our salvation, but that after we have received Jesus Christ and been given that precious gift by God, we then are to get to work to help other people come to know Jesus. So yes, get to work for the progress of the gospel. And the application question here is simple. What work are you doing for the progress of the gospel? What can you point to in your life right now that you would say, that is the work that I am doing for the gospel? Are you engaging in the work of evangelism? Are you engaging in the work of helping people grow in their faith? Are you using your gifts for the body? God gives us all spiritual gifts. Every one of us who knows him has a spiritual gift, at least one and probably many, that we can use for his glory. Are you using those? Now, some of those are upfront gifts like teaching and others are behind-the-scenes things like serving and filling communion cups and things like that. Are you using your gifts for the progress of the gospel? Timothy and Epaphroditus worked hard for the spread of the gospel and they've set a great example for us to follow. And then there's one other example that they set that I want to close with now. So here's my conclusion. Timothy and Epaphroditus were striving to be like Christ and we should too. They were striving to be like Christ, and we should too. In what is often called the central passage of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, we see the perfect example that Jesus set. He lived a life of servanthood and humility and obedience to the Father. He gave his life for us. That's the gospel message, that Jesus came and died for us that he took our sin sin penalty upon himself and paid the price that we could never pay so that we could have complete forgiveness and eternal life. That's what Jesus did for us. And in that passage in Philippians, we see what I call the key verse of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 5, that says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What was Jesus' attitude? He came to do the work of the Father to love us and to show us God. Overall, the point of Philippians is that we would become more and more like Jesus Christ. In our passage today, we see Paul telling the Philippians that they should follow Timothy and Epaphroditus because Paul saw those two men becoming more like Christ and he wanted them to serve as an example for the Philippians to follow. Now, Jesus Christ is the ultimate example, but isn't it kind of neat here that we see two men serving as that example? That's our job now, men and women and children, to serve as examples 
of Jesus Christ to those around us. The theologian Richard Mellick calls Timothy and Epaphroditus further examples of the mind of Christ. And again, praise the Lord for the people that God has sent into our lives who showed us Christ. But now it's our turn. Let's be people who seek God with wholehearted devotion, who love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, who love our neighbors as ourselves. And as we do that, and as we build strong relationships with people, may God use us to help people come to know Jesus and to grow in their faith, to advance the gospel. Let's pray that God will use us that way. What do you want your legacy to be? What would Paul say about you in a letter? I I think it's neat that Timothy and Epaphroditus, 2,000 years later, were talking about them because of their faith. What, What would be written about you? There were other people that Paul wrote about. He said, warning, don't follow them. They will lead you astray. What about you? Do you want a legacy of people coming to know Jesus? A legacy of helping people grow in their faith? What do you want your impact to be? Who have you already helped come to know Jesus? Who are you currently helping to grow in their faith? Are you becoming more like Christ? Are these things your goal? Are you working towards these things? There's lots of things that we work towards. Are you working towards these most important things? Again, the point of Philippians is that we would become more and more like Christ in his way of life and the way he served. Timothy and Epaphroditus did that and God used them. And remember, the same God who sent Jesus, the same God who empowered Timothy and Epaphroditus is the same God who will strengthen you to do the work that God is calling you to do. So let's give ourselves to that work. Let's build relationships and work hard for the gospel. And let's let God do his wonderful work of transformation in us so that we can become more like Christ. Would you pray with me? God, thanks for what you do in us and for what you want to do in us in the future. God, we're so grateful for the gospel message, which is salvation to us. And we want to keep growing in that. Keep growing in Christ, becoming more and more like him. And as we do that, God, I pray that you would use us to help other people come to know Jesus and that you would help us to strengthen other people in their faith. God, I pray that we would give ourselves to that, that we would work hard for the gospel and that we would build those relationships so that others might come to be more and more like Christ too. So God, thank you for what you do in us and I, I pray right now just with my voice and whoever wants to join with me saying to you, God, we want to give ourselves to you for your purposes of becoming like Christ and helping others become like Christ too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.